welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, uh, Epiphany family and beyond and Epiphanites globally. Welcome to our Sunday morning gathering. I know you see we're on a different location. Switching it up a little bit, we're on an uncharted location in North Philadelphia. We are glad that you came uh, to be with us today. We're excited, honored that you chose Epiphany Fellowship as your resource today for Sunday morning worship and gathering. Just uh, one particular thing today. We're going to start doing communion every week. So what I want you to do um, by the end, well, now, if you can, or I'll give you time at the end, grab a piece of bread, anything to drink, anything to drink. You can, it can be orange juice, whatever. Um, if you got grape, fine. Uh, you know, I know some of y'all got other things at the house. Amen. Um, but whatever you use, <laughs> um, whatever you use um, it, within biblical means, um, utilize that. And we want to be able to celebrate the Lord's death at the end of our time today. Well, today we are still in our series on cancel culture, cancel culture. You know, we've been going through this series really to talk about the fact that Christians shouldn't be the one canceling culture. We should be the ones engaging culture. And so because we're the ones that should be engaging culture, um, we're diving into a particular piece today. We're diving into reparations. We'll talk about that in a second as we read the text. We're going through Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It reads thusly. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because, he, because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. That's, 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 that's interesting. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man, the Bible says, and they said, but Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my, of my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and, and to save the lost. I want to talk to you today from this text. I want to tag it a biblical case for reparations, a biblical case for reparations. Let's go before the Lord. Lord, shower your grace and blessings on us, Lord God, as we dive into this text. 
and to begin to work through what is your view on reparations and where does it fit into the frame of scripture, the gospel, and the way you work and based on us loving one another. So Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer, in whom we trust in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody agree with that said, amen. Um, if I'm honest about, you know, reparations over the years, I haven't thought a lot about it um, as much as I would have liked to as one of the outworkings of what it looks like to kind of fix things and deal with some of the racial tensions in our country. Um, you know, I, I started thinking about it a few years back when I was asked to speak on it. I've heard people talking about reparations. Um, I've even talked a little bit about reparations, but hadn't thought deeply about it, biblical. I, I've even had people tell me reparations isn't a gospel principle. To, 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 to claim that somebody owes you something because of their sin against you, forgiveness is enough. Um, but the question, the, the question is, um, uh, um, um, if, if that's true, does the gospel work that way? And we're going to see how that works. Is our forgiveness enough? In relation to our relationship with God, does God call for any type of uh, anything uh, that, that, that not is a requirement for salvation, but an outworking of salvation? And so one of the things that we want to do and that we want to begin to dig into today is this idea of a case for reparation. If you see me peek over to the side, I'm just um, I'm just looking and just seeing what's going on because, you know, we, we out here, we out here. And so anyway. Um, when you look at um, when you look at um, history, you'll hear people like Dick Gregory and others, and particularly the conscious community, um, tell them I'm talking about reparations for black people. Yeah, and so um, leave that in there. And so, um, for, so one of the things that we saw was Dick Gregory and the conscious community. Over time, they began, and Dick Gregory isn't a part of the conscious community, but I'm saying and the conscious community. Uh, there's, there's been massive amounts of conspiracy theories. There's been crazy amounts of conspiracy theories that basically was stating, you know, that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, um, was killed, assassinated, because they were going to bring charges against the United States concerning the issue of, you guessed it, reparations. And as we began to think about that, I don't know if that's true. That, that's been kind of an urban legend within black lore uh, for, 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 for many of years. Um, there, there's, been, there's been a lot of information about that going out there. I mean, there are articles out there. There are even books out there that you'll find in that black bookstore. You know that black bookstore? You know, when I, when I talk about black bookstore, you know what? You, you ain't a black bookstore unless you got that soap. You know that soap that, that they wrap up in, 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 in uh, saran wrap? And, you understand what I'm saying? You know, they got the oils all over the place and the incense and, you know, um, a different poster and then they it's a conscious bookstore but then they got misogynistic books about black women in it anyway that's a whole nother story but but in those stores <clears throat> there are resources within those stores um and not all of them do that but uh, they'll 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 have books about cons uh, different conspiracy theories that you'll see people having about that and reparations is a serious thing i i don't know whether or not it's true but i believe uh it is something to think about but all in all on a larger scale for us to think about 
Whether or not it, 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 that's true it remains to be seen. But remains to be a reality, whether that's true or not, is that African-Americans were left, or Africans rather, were released from slavery without any counseling, without any economic plan, without any opportunity, but left out there in a way that we would say wasn't restorative for them being kidnapped uh, by their kidnappers and imported into this country as an import versus an immigrant and an import and, and, and instead of an immigrant. And, and, and so what I would like to do as we walk through this, is I got one point, one point only. We're going to be in this text, but we're going to we're, we're going to we're going to we're going to work through the pantheon, if you will, of what we need to dive into today. So number one and one point only family of God, if you are we're going to develop a biblical case for reparations. Number one, you have to understand this initiating correcting the effects of sin on others is a strong fruit of conversion. Let me say that again. Y'all must hear this. Initiating, correcting the effects of sin on others is a strong fruit of conversion. Well, you see, we're here in this text and this text has kind of been that mentioning passage, if you will, uh, uh, um, that, that's usually mentioned in relation to reparations. We'll, 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 we'll peruse the, the exegetical pantheon, as I told you, and begin to work through redemptive historical history and see if the principle that we see in this text is something that scoured the scriptures. And so when you look in verse 19, it says he entered Jericho, talking about Jesus. It's interesting that he would enter Jericho. This Jericho is not ancient Jericho. It's the new location of the new Jericho. And so there was a there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich, the Bible says. And, and, and it says, and he was trying to see who Jesus was. I guess the hoopla about Jesus was going around. And as the hoopla and understanding about Jesus was going around um, or, or, or he was just coming through, uh, he, he wanted to see what was going on with Jesus. But it says, but he was not able because of the crowd and he was a short man. We don't know how tall he is, but you got to understand in those days, they were already shorter than we are, right? People got, became taller uh, over the last three, 400 years. But, but if he was short, he was short, short, right? Verse four says, <clears throat> so running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass by. When Zacchaeus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, he knew his name. Now, I don't know if Jesus already knew who Zacchaeus was because of the type of work that he was in and his name circulated or because of his prophetic fervor, God prophetically showed Jesus Christ, even though he would know in his deity who he was, but in his humanity, um, because he put uh, his attributes, uh, 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 independent use of his attributes on the side. Uh, I, I don't know if God said his name Zacchaeus, so he just knew, but Zacchaeus heard, he said Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Can't you can't you imagine somebody coming up to you talking about something? <clears throat> hey, let me just tell you something. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at your crib today. You know, you're going to be like, yeah, all right. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, even culturally, this would have been a lot because even in that culture, they were used to people coming in town and giving them lodging in their home. But this this was a bit pushy. Um, but there was something more powerful go, go on, uh, uh, particularly if somebody is a, is a prophet in their mind. And so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. <clears throat> and all who 
saw it, began to complain. He has gone with a sinful man. Well, look what Zacchaeus' response is as he begins to go down and he begins to talk to Jesus. It says, but Zacchaeus, listen, stood there and said to the Lord. Now, what's interesting is in the midst of what's going on, Zacchaeus is looked out at as an outcast spiritually, not culturally in the sense of a man of economic means, but he's looked at as an outcast in relation to the religious establishment. However, Jesus does something powerful in response to him, but he does something in response to what people are saying. He says, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor. That's number one. He says, listen, I know how y'all view me. Let me show y'all how real I am about me seeking out Jesus, about me trusting in Jesus, about me believing in Jesus, about me putting my confidence in Jesus. In other words, he's not saying that he's saved by giving to the poor, but he's saying as a response to having an encounter with Jesus, his repentance bears fruit. It's just like um, when when, 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 uh, John the Baptist saw the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the elders um, coming over uh, 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 to him or whatever, uh, John saw them coming over to him and he said, you brood of vipers who who uh, who who warned you of the wrath to come, but bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so what we see here is a fruit of experiencing God is repentance. And look what his repentance does. He said, I'll give it to the poor. But not only that, this is not just general almsgiving. That's almsgiving because that was general almsgiving poor. But then he goes beyond just almsgiving or uh, offering, if you will. Uh, for kingdom work, and he said uh, for, for, uh, to them, to the poor, and then he says, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay it back four times as much. This is interesting. It's interesting now because now <clears throat> he didn't have to even say this. He could have just had his sins forgiven and him to be able to allow his justification by faith through Christ alone to be enough for him to move on and people believe he was different. But one of the things that he wanted to do was it wasn't just to show that he had changed because what he, uh, he, his, his return to people is partially to show that he changed, but also to correct something that he did or that was in connection with him. This is so important, right? And, and, and so extort is an interesting word that will be our exegetical springboard into our understanding of reparations. I hope y'all are trekking with me today because I'm having a good time in the text. It says ex- uh, uh, extorted means to obtain by coercion or intimidation, alternately by defrauding or rather than extorted. In, in other words, w- w- when, when a person is extorted, uh, um, they're basically defrauded out of their resources. Because he was a tax gatherer, he could say, <clears throat> where there's a new tax out and Caesar got this and he fr- fraudulently took more than he was supposed to. Whatever it was that he did, he, I'm pretty sure he did it because he wouldn't have mentioned it if he didn't. You know, you know how we are. If we did something, we say, well, if I did anything, I, this is what I want to say about it. Well, he did. And so extorting means to put pressure on someone for personal gain to shake someone down, to blackmail them, to harass them, to squeeze resources out of them. It's interesting that this exegetical statement here is powerful because it says to oppress someone and cheating them and extorting them. Well, who's more extorted than black people in America? 
Black people in America were extorted by Europe, were extorted by Islam, was extorted. And when I talk about Islam, I'm talking about uh, Islamic slavery. We've been extorted by uh, a, a, a substandard form of Christianity. Um, we have been extorted uh, uh, by America. And we've been extorted, why? Because we gave you 256 years, listen, of free labor with nothing but poor uh, eating and, uh, and, 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 and poor place to stay. And what's crazy about that reality is, 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 that, is that there's no real belief that we've been extorted, but we worked for free. That's why it's funny when people say black folk are lazy. I'm like, well, we, we, we sure built the country on some, on, on some lazy people, huh? So, so this is interesting for us. And so Zacchaeus is, Zacchaeus is basically trying to make restitution. He feels like the grace that God has given him has put him in a position to now seek restitution. I like the way one writer says it, that Zacchaeus makes restitution in response to grace rather than to just receive grace. Fits Jesus's ministry, but offers, but differs from the common view of his day. And so what he wanted to do was pay restitution. He said, I'll pay back four times as much. Now, this idea of paying back four times as much is um, is, a, is an Old Testament principle. It's an Old Testament principle. You can you can look at the you can look at some of those passages in Exodus 22, 1, 2 Samuel 12, 16. You, you can look at those passages and, and, and see some of those uh, things. One of the ways the blacks have been extorted even was sharecropping. People don't know recognize what sharecropping was, but sharecropping was when you rented a piece of somebody's land or somebody's land, you worked the land and gave them a portion off of it. But many times, or, or, or bought or, or sold to them off of the land or let that be your rent, what you give them off of the crops. But many times, because my great-grandfather, my dad, who raised my dad, was a sharecropper and a former slave, and he talked about, my dad talked about how difficult it was for him in the, in the, in the late 20s, uh, growing up in, uh, in the uh, uh, mid to late uh, 1920s. That's right, my dad was an OG. And, and into the 30s, how difficult it was watching his grandfather and having to help his grandfather with sharecropping. But what's interesting, <clears throat> what's happening here, is in principle, is he's basically saying, I want to make restitution. Now, someone would say, well, this is personal restitution in the context of this passage with Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is, is the one who actually did the wrong and in his day he corrected it. Well, the, well there, there, there are layers to this. Now, and, and I'll show you in the Old Testament some passages that will help expand upon this, if you will. <clears throat> so when we look at this idea of restitution, restitution when it comes to generational restitution is because there was no full restitution. We'll talk about some restitution that we got, but that it was removed by white vigilantes on ground. We'll talk about that and how the government reversed our, our, uh, the, the, uh, some of the restitution that we were supposed to get. Um, when we got out of slavery, there was absolutely no opportunity for African-Americans. We had to basically fend for ourselves or under the guise of going back into work for our slave masters, uh, under the guise of not being slaves no more, even though being treated the same way. Um, and there was economic building, but, but, but over time there was so many, and I'll talk about in a minute, all the different things that demand restitution and how restitution works. But look at, look at uh, Numbers chapter 5, verse 7. Numbers chapter 5, verse 7 says, the person is to confess the sin 
he or she has committed, he is to pay full compensation or restitution is the word there. Add a fifth to its value. Wow. Add a fifth to its value and give it to the individual. He has wrong. Now, if you understand, Zacchaeus is saying he's not paying a fifth of the value. He's he's paying the value of what he took four times over. So he's trying to show you that he's so repentant that he's willing to pay a massive amount for restitution for what he did to show how wrong he is, but also to help catch a person up. Why? Because whenever you extort someone or ever you take something from someone like you've taken from black people, you, we, or black women have been raped, black men were raped, children were raped for, from families, men were bred. Uh, um, um, when, you, when you take away from them, from their land, you take their culture, when you take that away, you, you, you have to make in mind like, what would their life be like? This is what you gotta, this is what reparations does. What would their life be like if I didn't interfere with their advancement. So, 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 so restitution thinks that way. It doesn't think through how do I survive? No, your survival has been based on what you took for them, for them not to survive. So therefore restitution has to involve, how can I, at, how can we at the best of our ability uh, uh, um, remove the generational obstacles that have been put in place? And we'll talk about those obstacles. But let's finish the, the, uh, 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 here with this passage. So to make restitution is to make payment to someone for a loss incurred for which one is responsible. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like Proverbs 14, 9. It says, Fools, listen to this verse. I didn't even know this was in the Bible. This, uh, this was crazy about this. It says, fools mock at reparation, but there is goodwill among the upright. In other words, giving reparations <laughs> is a sign of being upright and righteous. Look at Exodus twenty-two twelve. 12. It says, but if in fact an animal was stolen from his custody, he must make restitution for the owner. The, the, these are verses on restitution in the Bible. Um, you can look at Ezra 1 4. Look at, look at what happened. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's individual restitution. If I did something to somebody, I understand paying restitution. Well, you have Exodus, you have Exodus 12, 35, and you also have Ezra 1 4 that shows us experiencing, so the people of God experiencing generational restitution. So look at what it says. And, and Ezra 1 4, it says, let every survivor, this is when the children of Israel are coming out of uh, Neo-Persia. It says, let every survivor, whatever, wherever he resides, and this is stuff that they did. They got themselves in this captivity, but still they, even though they got themselves into this captivity, black people didn't get themselves into slavery in America. They were stolen, but Israelites got themselves into captivity because of their idolatry and sin. But look, they still got reparations because of the time they were in. Look what it says. <coughs> it says, let every survivor wherever he resides, be assisted, listen to this, by the men of that region with silver, hallelujah, gold, hallelujah, goods, hallelujah, and livestock, I feel God right there, along with a free will offering, they talking about stacks, they giving the people of God drip coming out of there, right? It was dripology coming out of the ministry, right? And so it says here, it's, it's, it says free will offering, for the house of God in Jerusalem. So, 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 so uh, notice the free will offering is for the house of God. 
but the silver, the gold, the goods, and the livestock are for the people. In other words, this is for the, they knew that when they sent them back to their land that they had nothing. And so it would be unjust to send them back to their land without anything to be able to begin to build their own independent economy. That's what I love about this, is they set them up to build their own independent economy. And so it's because they knew that they were going to need to do that so that they wouldn't be long-term dependent on them. The reason why there have been so many challenges in America is because the, the, the people are talking about welfare and all that. First, our welfare and, 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 and Social Security was created for white people, but uh, and, and we're quote-unquote benefiting off of it. But there's nothing that's been done in this country comprehensively as a system beyond the handout versus a hand up to help there to be economic independence among black people. That is why even the community that we're in, I, I, I mean, I'm not gonna do a panoramic view, but if you can see where I'm standing, I'm standing at ground zero of brokenness. I'm standing at ground zero of where challenges have happened. I'm standing at ground zero where education has been decimated. I, I, I'm standing in the midst of schools that have been closed in a community that has to pack kids into one high school. So you, you can't tell me that there's been restitution paid and that equal pay around here because there's so many things there's decimation around here people trying to figure life out there's trash over here there's destruction over here there's businesses destroyed over here there hasn't been a level of hand up how can you remove schools and close schools and expect there to be any economic vitality and viability psychological depth and emotional healing if you take away one of the foundational pieces of a community exodus 12 35 <laughs> Exodus 12, 35, it says, the Israelites, I, this is one of my favorite passages on restitution right here. I love this joint right here. It says, the Israelites acted on Moses' word and asked the Egyptians for silver. So they said, hey, so is it wrong to ask for reparations? I heard a preacher last week say, you shouldn't be asking for nothing. You should just stay in your state that you're in. You shouldn't do it. But, but they said, Moses told them, y'all go ask them for some money. Go ahead. I ain't prosperity gospel, but 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 uh, but I do believe. But that doesn't take money out the Bible. It's in there. Amen. Amen. He says, "Go ask for silver and gold items and for clothing." Hallelujah. He want them to look good too. Look at that. They got clothing, gear, outfits. You know what I'm saying? Fabrics and things, right? And it says, "And the Lord gave the people such favor with the Egyptians that they gave them what they requested." Now, I want to give you, the, I want to let you, I'm going to give you something, this is for free. Now, some people don't believe Christians should protest. Do you know that this reparations was prayed because God initiated Moses and the Israelites to protest Pharaoh and Egypt? How did they protest? Every, the 10 plagues was protest. When Moses went there and said, let my people go, that was the sign. That was the protesting sign. And so with that in mind, that's beautiful to me that we see that this reparations here in this passage is a, is a direct result, listen, of protest, of a vehement protest where God used the protest and God anointed the protest to break down the leadership, to open their hearts, to do what he called them to do because he turned the hearts of the king wherever he wants to. <clears throat> so, so when we talk about reparations, reparations is the making of amends for a wrong one has done paying money or whatever means that you're supposed to in order to pull reparations out and help people out. Now, what's, what's interesting about verse 9, and then we're going to get into some very, very gospel-centered principles of this and some practical things, 
is verse nine said, Jesus said, today salvation has come to his house. Know what I like about this? Is that Jesus in verse nine of Luke 19 connects Zacchaeus' willingness to pay reparations as a sign that he had been changed by the gospel. How many of you watching under the sound of my voice saying that racism doesn't exist? How many of you under the sound of my voice talking about um, I don't, I, it wasn't me and I don't need to pay reparations, all of this type of stuff? If, if you're under the sound of my voice and you're resisting restitution for black people because of what's happened into this country, you may want to check your, your, your justification uh, uh, monitor. I know because some of y'all call me a heretic because I deal with racial injustice. Well, I'm still preaching the gospel. Matter of fact, we hit the block out here. We preach the gospel to see people come to spiritual death, to spiritual life. So, there, so however, we believe that the gospel has outworkings that impact the way we relate to one another, God and one another. So what do we do and how do we think through this gospel, gospelly, if you will? Number one, <coughs> we think about what's called the content of the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses one through four. That's the content. We got that. We understand that it's, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, right? But then there's the scope of the gospel. Romans 1, 16. It says, now, the, uh, now, now, now uh, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. And so we see within that scope, we see the essence of the gospel. We see the catalyst of the gospel, but then we see the scope of the gospel. Again, you see the essence of the gospel, the catalyst of the gospel, and the scope of the gospel. In other words, the gospel isn't just a message that changes the soul. <clears throat> it is the power of God to change everything. And so reparations fits into the scope of the gospel. So the question is, let me ask you this. Has, has America ever paid reparations to anybody? Yes, it has. Not only has America paid reparations, but she affirmed the payments of other countries such as France and Germany in cases of reparations. In the Holocaust, America said the, cl the closest Analog to reparations for slavery and Jim Crow is probably, listen, the reparations of West Germany, West Germany agreed to pay in the Holocaust. Apartheid is another one, <clears throat> right? One of the duties of South Africa's uh, post-apartheid truth and reconciliation commission that was helped by a man, Leon, uh, 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 Reverend uh, uh, Leon, that, that's in this, that was in this neighborhood for years, beside investigating... Uh, Human rights abuses committed by apartheid government was recommending reparations and other policies to redress those abuses and aid victims of the regime. So those are general places where reparations have been paid. But where has America paid reparations? J America paid the Japanese internment reparations because it says the forced internment of 120,000 Japanese Americans in camps during World War II resulted in about 3.1 billion in property loss and 6.4 billion dollars in income loss in 2014 dollars. This is in our in dollars up today, right? <clears throat> if you account for the 
uh, uh, for the possibility that the money might have been in, 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 uh, invested and gotten above inflation returns, the economic losses would have even been larger. So Japanese, the Japanese American Claims Act of 1948 and the Civil Liberties Act of 1988 between 1948 and 1965 authorized payments totaling in $38 million, which is nothing compared to what they lost, but still the same thing. When there was forced sterilizations, when there was forced sterilizations of Americans uh, 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 in, in states of one or another with eugenic studies during the 20th century with forced sterilizations of unfit people being the prime instrument targets largely, but by no means entirely mentally or developmentally disabled, poor black women on welfare were especially likely to be victimized in this manner. The Tuskegee experiment, they paid a little bit of reparations with that, but again, it wasn't a ton. Look all of this up. I'm not making this stuff up. <laughs> Look up the Tuskegee experiment and how they only uh, uh, got a, a large payout of $10 million, but only paid, uh, 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 you know, during the study, it says 178,000 for the men in the study who had syphilis and 72 for the thousand for the heirs and 77 for those in the control group and 24 for the heirs of those in the control group. Nothing. And what they generationally lost. Rosewood. There, there, there was some type of reparation. Look all of this up. It's all in here. Reparations. The, the, the District of Columbia Emancipation Act. I could go on and on and on. And, and, and somebody said, what about 30 acres and 40 acres in the mill? Well, President Johnson had the land returned it to the Confederates. He gave us 40 acres in the mill family and then had the, the Confederates retur return the property that was supposed to be ours. As a matter of fact, when slave owners got out of slavery, they gave them acres of land. One, one man got 80 acres in Texas and still his family is financially benefiting off of his reparations to this day. I could go on and on and on and on and on with reparations in the way they have been in unequitable ways in which America has slapped black people in the face by the way it's been treated. But why am I saying America? Because I think the church should be leading this effort. Now, why should the church be leading this effort? It should be leading the, the, the reparations effort because <clears throat> the slave ships, the slave ships that came over here that were led by people who were calling themselves Christians. So reparations needs to be comprehensive, though, not just economic. Why should, why should repar reparations be comprehensive and not just economic? I'm not saying not economic or money. <clears throat> I'm saying in the Bible, a lot of their reparations was was economic alone. But one of the things that's very, very important is, is that uh, reparations has to fit what's been lost. So what, 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 what has been lost has to be repaired. The, the, the core meaning of reparations is to repair because the offenses, listen, the offenses against blacks have been comprehensive. So let, let's, let's, let's do a list. Let's do a list during slavery. Let's do a list during post-slavery, and let's do a list during current day. Let's do it. Let's do it, family. Slavery, we were kidnapped, exported as property, removed from our heritage. Black sexuality, we became a sexualized being to, to the white man and white woman. Beat our culture out of us. Personal dignity stripped. 
cause spiritual divisiveness between us and those who would call themselves our spiritual brothers. A total breaking down of the family structure. Manhood destroyed. Womanhood destroyed. Children stripped of their innocence and upbringing. Economic disenfranchisement and created and fostered a culture of hatred that exists in our context to this day. Post-slavery. We got segregation for uprooting the economy of thriving black communities across the nation, from Atlanta to Black Wall Street, uh, uh, the Greenwood section of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Washington, D.C., uh, uh, Chicago, Illinois, Harlem, you name the Chicago, uh, 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 different uh, L.A., different economic hotspots were uprooted because of jealousy and frustration and a desire for subjugation. Not only that, gentrification is an issue in post-slavery, even to this day. Gentrification is, is actually a, a, a today problem. But then we go to unlawful, uh, uh, unlawfully locking up black men, uh, black people rather, for crimes they didn't commit. Psychological damage of slavery, right? Current day, gentrification, of course. Dropping the property value in neighborhoods like this, where we live, and then people come in and then the people who've been here for generations can't benefit, or they've been written so long and there's been so much of a destruction of the culture here that they haven't been able to make, make, make use of the opportunity. Their house may, be, may have been bought back in the day for $25,000. Nowadays, the house is probably worth uh, 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 $250,000 $600,000. A developer comes in to an, uh, a person that's not really educated about what they're uh, supposed to be getting and people just constantly let the city even letting some cities even letting uh, um, developers come in and undercut not setting rules and for giving fair market value for properties but people coming in and buying them say we'll give you we'll give you we'll give you hundred and twenty thousand dollars and and let you go but then not realizing that there's not much better than what they can get for hundred and twenty thousand dollars after they sell the house that they had and then that person flips the house puts a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in it and sell it for, for for five times the cost and when you put all of that together they have been absolutely unadulteratedly economically disenfranchised then all of a sudden you have coffee shops in the community. People walking dogs and jogging and black folk are being looked at and now preyed upon by police because the police didn't come around there when we was in the community. But now that somebody else is in the community, they're down in the community because the community changed. But then that's the inequity cycle in our community. And the schools were closed. But soon as white folk move in the community, now the schools reopen. And they have grand openings and get all this money poured in all because the Negroes are gone. Inequities. Mass incarceration imbalanced educational funding i can't even go i can't even it's too much to walk through these stats school to prison pipeline kids being handcuffed at eight years old for something they should have got detention for which criminalizes their mind and prepares them to learn how to be, get used to being in handcuffs framing black people shipping drugs in the 80s they shipped drugs into our community how in the heck does drugs come from columbia black people don't own no daggone planes we don't own the freight yards. How are we gonna get stuff on freight? We don't own that. How does it get into this country? Border Patrol. How did it happen? If you look under that, those administrations in the 80s, that, that administration, that's how it got into this country. Loan discrimination, police brutality, and the effects of slavery still don't exist as the black people today. So what do we do? What, what are some ways, what are some types of reparation that blacks need. I'm glad you asked. The type of reparations that we need need to be comprehensive to fit. This is just a short list of things that I've mentioned. I know my historians and 
and my sociologists and my psychologists and, 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 and my anthropologist, cultural anthropologists will let me know more. But these are a few things that, remember, reparations has to be comprehensive because the offenses were everything from emotional to economic, right? And so the gospel demands that you, we do that. And so, number one, public confession and repentance for active and complicit role in destroying black people. I think the church needs to start this off. The church needs to do it, just as Nehemiah did in his day, praying and asking for forgiveness of sins he didn't commit specifically but benefited off of, and even in some ways have been actively involved today in, admitting that racial injustice still exists and needs to be addressed. This is reparations. It has to be. Admitting slavery still affects us. The need for psychological reparations. You need to pay for counseling for us. We need help. The need for economic reparations. <laughs> we need our economists to help build that out so it's restorative and not just us throwing money at people, right? Having a, 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 a land initiative and housing initiative, educational reparations, investing what has lacked in economics in schools, in black communities. I mean, you go to an area outside of Philadelphia, um, they, they, they have a, 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 a meteorologist lab there that's so nice that, the, um, that, the, that, that one of the major channel networks use their meteorologist studio as a way to do their meteorologist stuff to be able to put on TV. And you come to some black schools in our area and we don't even have a science program program. Reparations. I say this, HBCUs funded for the next 200 years. Next 200 years. And, and oh, 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 right after that? Uh, you, you ain't get this, did you? Descendants of slaves not playing for college for 200 years. Nobody. And canceling every black person's student loan debt. And repaying blacks who paid for student loans <laughs> reparations listen reparations in telling the history properly in other words one of the reparations that would be helpful for this country is for it telling the real American story that, that's a huge reparations if you because people won't look crazy when we bring up our racial past I would love to see this black churches having faith-based funding to help blacks build black institutions in the black community because the black church has always been the mainstay of helping black people do that for the last 250 years. And I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. But that's why we need reparations. We need reparations to repair. We're not asking for a handout. This is stuff that uh, black people have built this country from the beginning. Black people have made America, America from the beginning. And it's just time to begin compensating black people comprehensively for what's been left out over time. And so the beauty of all justice is ultimately, we're not just looking for the sweet by and by when our savior returns. Yes, he died on the cross, since got up from the grave and we're gonna spend eternity on heaven and earth with him. And he's gonna set up a brand spanking new regime here. But also he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, black people need to be compensated and paid reparations for what's happened here. White siblings, I'm working with a group now that wants me to be on an advisory team 
for a small group of Christians that want to help invest in paying a micro form of reparations as the beginning of starting a reparations movement among Christians. My prayer is, is that this would explode and that this, this, now I'm not saying that reparations is going to bring peace on earth. Jesus will bring peace on earth. However, while we're on earth, we got to make the most of our time, make the most of our minutes so that when the master returns, he said, what did you do with my minutes that I gave you? And you don't want him to say, depart from me, cast them out in the outer darkness. No, no. To whom much is given, to whom was given more, more will be given to him. And so let's move forward in this great act as we begin to seeing what it looks like to do what I call restorative justice. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we honor you and thank you for this opportunity. And we pray that this would bang forth. Maybe someone here doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, I pray that they would say uh, that they trusted that you've died on the cross for their sins, got up from the grave, placed their confidence in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, here's communion, family. Communion is a time that we celebrate the Lord's death. Go on, I'm going to give you a second to get your bread, get your drink to celebrate his blood. I'll give you a minute. Pause it. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said to his disciples, this is my body which is given up for you. Let us eat together. After they had taken, eaten the Passover lamb and the bitter herbs, he said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant which was shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Y'all lift your hand like we was in church physically. Let's receive the Lord's benediction. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Love you guys. See you soon. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Passive Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.